Leviticus chapter 25. I normally reserve a message like this to Sunday night, but I, I believe the Lord would have us look at this this morning. And uh, it's been on my heart all week. And I want to bring a message on why I believe 1998 could be the year. And when I say that, I'm speaking about the coming of the Lord. I, I don't know, uh, as I state this message, I don't know that I've been this excited about the second coming in a while. Uh, I don't, of course, nobody knows exactly when he's coming, the date or the hour, but I do believe we can read the, read the signs. And uh, I'd like to do that today. Let's stand, please, and... Uh, We'll read some verses from Leviticus 25, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus 25, page 159 in your Schofield Bible. And verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you come into the land which I give you, then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Six years thou shalt sow thy field, and Six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard, and gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field, nor prune thy vineyard. That which groweth of its own, a cord of thy harvest, thou shalt not reap, neither gather the grapes of thy vine undressed. For it is a year of rest unto the land. And the Sabbath of the land shall be meat for you, for thee, and for thy servant, and for thy maid, and for thy hired servant, and for thy stranger that sojourneth with thee, and uh, for thy cattle, and for the beasts that are in thy land, shall all the increase thereof be meat. And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee, seven times seven years, and the space of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto thee forty and nine years. Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. In the day of atonement shall ye make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. Ye shall howl of the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you, and you shall return every man unto his possession, and you shall return every man unto his family. A jubilee shall that fiftieth year be unto you. You shall not sow, neither reap that which groweth of itself in it, <clears throat> nor gather the grapes in it of thy vine undressed. For it is the jubilee, it shall be holy unto you. You shall eat the increase thereof out of the field. In the year of this jubilee, you shall return every man unto his possession. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, as I bow before you, I do thank you for another privilege to read the word of God and, and preach your word. And Lord, I am as any other man, and without the touch of God, I cannot be effective for you. Lord, I desire just to be a vessel that you would use. Fill me with the Spirit of God. Give me the wisdom I need. Help me to honor you today. And I pray that the Word of God will be opened up to us. We might be encouraged, realizing that soon our troubles will be over as Christian people and we'll be at home with the Lord. Maybe today. 
Bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. <clears throat> in Matthew 24, 36, he said, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But in verse 33 of the same chapter, he said, So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. So though he told us we cannot know the day or the hour, he said, know that it is near even at the doors. You can know uh, the seasons, the times when the coming of the Lord is going to take place. Now, there are many things I could talk about today and uh, re relate in relation to this, but there are three things I want to deal with and why I believe that this could be the year. The first thing I'll mention is peace. If President Clinton was to give the State of the Union address tonight, and I think that's coming up soon, isn't it? This month, I believe. I'm sure that, uh, they, that he would mention the fact that we are at peace for the most part. Of course, there's always a conflict and there's always a threat of war. The Bible said there'd be wars and rumors of war, uh, and uh, these things will happen until the coming of the Lord. But basically, uh, the world is at, is at peace for the most part anyway. We don't have a world war going on. And uh, you say, what's that to go got to do with the coming of the Lord? Well, the Bible teaches that the, the coming of the Lord will be marked by a time of peace, really. That the tribulation period will begin uh, peacefully rather than great conflict. Uh, you have in Revelation 6, 2, he said, And I saw him, behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now this is unusual. Here's a fellow on a white horse. Revelation 19, there's, there's a, a, another individual on a white horse. Revelation 19 is the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil is a counterfeiter. Here the Antichrist is also on a white horse, white representing peace. A un unique thing about this writer here, he has a bow but no arrows. Now I enjoy deer hunting, as uh, most of you know anyway, and I can tell you from experience that a bow is pretty worthless <laughs> without arrows. <laughs> You know, I don't, I've never heard of anyone beating a deer to death with a bow. You have to have arrows. But here is a man on a horse with a bow, but no arrows. And uh, he goes forth conquering and to conquer. He conquers without any arrows. Daniel says the same thing in Daniel eleven twenty one, But he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Uh, flattery. He's going to be able to gain control of the world uh, through his ability to persuade others. Someone said flattery is like perfume. It smells good, but don't swallow it. But he obtains the kingdom peacefully, the Bible says. And in Daniel 9, 27, he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. 
The Antichrist is going to make a, an agreement. He's going to confirm the covenant with his will for we card for seven years. Uh, I believe if this is the year, I believe that peace will come to the Middle East. They've been working on that for some time now and have had some success, though not total success. But I do believe that success will come. But somehow or another, that peace will come to that troubled area of the world. Now be sure that this peace will be short-lived and will not last, but nevertheless it will be uh, peace. I want you to turn to the book of Ezekiel 38, please. The book of Ezekiel 38. And uh, we read in, uh, in this uh, chapter about Russia's invasion of Israel. Now, to hear the politicians, you would think that, uh, uh, that we don't have to worry about Russia anymore, that uh, the Cold War is over, our problems are, are gone, and uh, we can just forget about them. But may I remind you that Ezekiel 38 and 39 is yet to happen. And uh, in Ezekiel 38, he describes in, in pretty much detail uh, Russia's invasion of the land of Israel. And uh, you can look this up on a Bible map and see it very clearly refers to uh, Gog, the land of Magog there, talking about uh, Russia and the, the nations that will accompany Russia uh, is Persia, that's Iran, Iran not modern-day Iran, Ethiopia, Libya, Gomer, which is Germany, believe it or not, though they are uh, on our side now, Togomar, which is Turkey. But the thing I want you to look at in verse 8, after many days thy shall be visited, he's talking to Israel here, in the latter years thy shall come into the land that is brought back from the sword and, a, and is gathered out of many people, against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Now, they've not been able to dwell safely, that's for sure. Uh, with the Arab nations surrounding them, there has been conflict or the threat of conflict. But the Bible says when Russia comes in, they will be dwelling safely. And it will be a time when they've been brought back from the nations. Verse 11. Here is what uh, Russia is going to do. And I shall say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them, dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. And then in verse 14, Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto Gog, Thus saith the Lord God, in that day when my people of Israel dwelleth safely, shall thou not know it. Now God doesn't have to say anything but one time. But when the Lord repeats himself, he's trying to make a point, and he tells us that when Russia comes into the land of Palestine, that they will be dwelling safely. They will be at peace. And they will feel secure. And I think one reason they will feel secure is because the United States will be guaranteeing their safety, which we are doing that even now. 
So why do I believe this could be the year? Because of the peace and the promotion of peace in the world. Number two, prosperity. If President Clinton, when he gives a State of the Union address, I can almost guarantee that he is going to talk about the prosperous times, the good times that he has brought to America. And uh, they, are, they talk about the unbelievable stock market. And I have lost a lot of money in the stock market the last three or four years because the stock market has gone up and up and up and I didn't have any money in the stock market. But uh, uh, so I've lost a great deal. But uh, there have been, they say there have been many millionaires made during the last three or four years. Uh, the, the length of this boom or whatever you want to call it is, has been unprecedented uh, in the history of the stock market. Now, some credit the president. They say because of his leadership that uh, we are having good times, low in employment, low inflation, uh, stock market going up and all these things, and uh, maybe he deserves some credit. Others say it's not him at all. It's the Republican Congress. And depending on which party you belong to, I guess uh, would determine uh, what you think about it. <laughs> And that because of, of uh, the uh, decisions that they have made, that that has caused these things to happen. And maybe they deserve some credit. I heard this past week that Alan Greenspan is, is the fellow that has that, uh, made it all possible. Now, he deserves all the credit. Uh, but you know what I believe? I think the Lord, if, 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 if anything good happens in life, I think we ought to give the honor to the Lord. And uh, uh, I believe that, that America's position regarding the nation of Israel has been a determining factor in the good times, prosperous times that we have had. Uh, because the Bible tells us in Genesis 12, verse 3, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee. By the way, this prosperity has not been enjoyed by the rest of the world. Many problems in the Far East. Russia has had devastating uh, financial problems. And so others have not necessarily shared. I heard this week about uh, the United Nations and uh, that there have been four votes in the United Nations regarding the nation of Israel. And that in all in those four votes that you have the United States and Israel and one other tiny nation had voted on the side of Israel and the rest of the world had voted against Israel. You want to give any reason for prosperity, that's where I'd, I'd lay it, right there. I'll bless them that bless thee, and I will curse him that curses thee. That's what God told Abraham and his seed. But you know, there is another reason that I believe that 1998 could be the year, and that is prosperity. Do you realize the tribulation, the Antichrist, is going to bring prosperity? He's going to bring peace. He's going to bring good times. 
Bible tells us in Daniel 8, 25, and through his policy also, he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. Daniel 11, 43, but he shall have power over the treasures of gold and of silver. He will cause craft to prosper. He will cause good times to roll. And he is going to be able to deceive the world. Uh, in, back in Ezekiel 38, if you'll turn back there, please. Ezekiel 38. I mentioned that Russia has had, uh, you know, problems, financial problems, uh, uh, huge uh, deficits, inflation, and all that. And uh, here in Ezekiel 38, verse 12 and 13, notice what they come for as they come against Israel, dwelling safely, to take a spoil, to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited, and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish, and there you have Saudi Arabia and Europe. They're uh, siding, of course, against Russia with all the young lions thereof that may include the United States. Shall say unto thee, If thou come to take a spoil, hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take away a spoil? What are they coming for? They're coming for money. Their economic conditions will necessitate this invasion. So we have peace and prosperity. Both are present, certainly in, in this country. But the main point of the message I want to get to now, and that is the text that I read to you in Leviticus 25, and we have here the place, the people, and the possession. Now, in the first seven verses, God had this law in, in Israel. Of course, the law of the Sabbath was uh, they worked six days and the rest of the seventh day individually. But then God had a law for the land. He had Sabbath for the land. They would sow the land, plant the crops, reap the harvest uh, for six years, but the seventh year, every seventh year was a Sabbath for the land. And the land had to, you know, couldn't be planted. It had to lie desolate and, and produce on its own or whatever. It had to rest during that seventh year. So there was the seventh day for man, the seventh year for the land. And then God said, every, I want you to number seven Sabbaths of years. Every, as, as the land has seven, seven times it rests. That'd be 49 years. Seven times seven years is 49. And then the 50th year was to be the year of Jubilee. It was also a Sabbath of rest. So the 49th year and the 50th year was a Sabbath of rest for the land. And, but it went beyond this, the land rested. rested. And uh, we'll see that in, in, as we continue. Now, the point, the point that is interesting, by the way, 50, 50 means liberty. Uh, you proclaim liberty throughout all the land. The Bible has different uh, meanings for various numbers. 
and uh, the, the interesting thing is in May of this year, the nation of Israel will be 50 years old. May of 1948, Israel became an independent nation. Now the Lord, in verse number 8, he said, Thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years, unto thee seven times seven years, the space of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto thee forty-nine years. Verse 9, Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month and the day of atonement shall you make a trumpet sound throughout all your land. I thought this was interesting. He said, in that 50th year, I want you to blow the trumpet. The trumpet is going to sound proclaiming the year of Jubilee. Now, in the book of Joel, chapter 2, you have another trumpet sounding, which is a trumpet of judgment and announcing the invasion of Israel, followed by... Uh, verse uh, 12 through 17, you have this followed by Israel's repentance and their mourning and their coming back to God. Followed by it ends up with the blessing of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. So you have the trumpet sounding. You have Russia's invasion as well as the Antichrist comes in. Of course, he sets his kingdom up in the middle of the tribulation. But, and of course, at the return of the Lord Jesus, when he comes to set up his kingdom, you have the repentance of the nation of Israel, and then you have the blessing of the possession. So I think you, uh, you have uh, a truth relating to the nation of Israel uh, as, as it relates here to, uh, uh, to the year of Jubilee. But you know, there's another trumpet going to sound too, isn't there? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in there, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 15, Verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So Israel is 50 years old, or will be, as an independent nation in May. And God said that 50th year is the year of Jubilee. And I want you to blow the trumpet. <laughs> you know, I was reading that and I got blessed real good. I said, maybe this is the year. <laughs> maybe this is our Jubilee year. Maybe this is the year that we'll hear the trumpet. That, and we'll be called out of this world and go to be with the Lord. So it was a time when the trumpet sounded. Then not only that, but it was sounded on the Day of Atonement, a specific time. Not just blow the trumpet any time, but it was blown not at the beginning of the year, not the first day of the year, but the seventh month on the Day of Atonement, the tenth day of the seventh month. 
Now, Israel's year begins in what corresponds to where March or April. So this, if it's the tenth, seventh month, the tenth day of the seventh month, that'd be September or October uh, of air the way we have our year. It was on the Day of Atonement. Now this was a special day. Back in chapter 23 of Leviticus, and verse number 27, he said, Also on the tenth day of the seventh month there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be an holy convocation unto you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. You, they were not to do any work and, and uh, so forth. It was the day of atonement. It was the day that the priests went behind the veil and sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat. And their sin was covered for another year. It was a day of the affliction of the souls, he says. Now in Zechariah, if you'll turn there please, Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah chapter 12 and verse number 10. Page 977, Zechariah 12 verse 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Verse 1 of chapter 13. In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Verse 8 and 9. He shall come to pass it in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. I'll bring the third part through the fire. We'll refine them as silver is refined, we'll try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say it is my people, and they shall say, The Lord is my God. So Israel is yet to suffer. Their greatest affliction is yet to come in the tribulation period. It's a time of Jacob's trouble, the prophet said. And it is a time when two-thirds of them will die. And the third part will be brought through the fire. And they will mourn for him. They'll look upon him whom they have pierced. And they will mourn and weep and repent. It is a day of affliction corresponding to the day of atonement. The Day of Atonement. Now, we don't have to go through that. Why? Because Jesus Christ has been afflicted for us. He is our atonement. He is our covering. He is our salvation. But I thought it's interesting here. The trumpet sounds on the tenth day of the seventh month. When will Jesus come? What time of the year will Jesus come? Well, I don't know. I don't know exactly. He could come at any time. I believe the coming of the Lord is imminent. I believe he could come today. But more likely in the fall. And uh, here he says that it's the, the trumpet sounds on the tenth day of the seventh month. Now, the third thing I want you to notice here is in verse 10, you shall howl the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty 
throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you. You shall return every man unto his possession. You shall return every man unto his family. Now, God had some interesting laws for Israel. Uh, you know, this, this law of the land, the, the letting the land uh, lie there for seven years, uh, a debt could only, the, the time limit was seven years, and we could learn a lot from that. Uh, the, uh, uh, the 50th year here, everybody went back to the possession. So every 50th year, you know, in that day as in this day, some people get, uh, you know, are more prosperous, they're more successful, they're able to acquire more. And uh, uh, then they pass it on to their children and their children and so forth. And, and in that day, that happened. But every 50th year, everything reverted back and everybody started over. And they return every man unto his possession. You have that in verse 10. You also have it in verse 13. In the year of this jubilee, you shall return every man unto his possession. And down in, in verse 23... The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, for ye are strangers and sojourners with me. Now there's a lot of debate on who does the land of Israel belong to. Who does that property belong to? The Arabs say it's ours. The Jews say it's ours. But in reality it's God's. <laughs> it belongs to the Lord. And the Lord gave it to the seed of Abraham as an eternal possession. And they will have it. <laughs> they will have it. They, they only have a small portion of what God promised Abraham. He said, lift up your eyes and look northward and southward and eastward and westward. I'm going to give it to you. And he, he gives in the boundaries. And if you, if you take a map and... and, and uh, uh, draw that out. They talk about the west bank of Jordan and all that. Listen, not only do they own that, but they own most of Jordan is theirs by the possession. And, and it covers a, a great territory there. They've never had that in all their history. They've never possessed what God gave them, but they will. And here he says in the 50th year, will this be the year? Well, this is their 50th year and since their, their rebirth. Is this the year of Jubilee? Is this the time when the trumpet will sound and the tribulation will begin and the time of affliction will become, begin and Israel will be brought to their knees and recognize Jesus as their Messiah and then they'll be given their possession just like here in, in, the, in the days gone by, on the 50th year, they all went back to their original possession, to their fathers. The land that was drawn out, if they, they were from the tribe of Judah, then, then they went back to that, to, to that territory. And there it reverted back to, to the possession. So the land is God's. Now, there's interesting truth in the New Testament, and I really don't understand all that this may imply. But in Luke 9, 14, of course you have uh, all four gospel accounts recording the, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Why did he say, make them sit down by fifties? 
Again, I don't understand everything that may be in there. But, uh, and then uh, this week I heard uh, something that, that I don't know where uh, has any relevance or not, but, uh, uh, you know, everybody's tried to figure out 666 and what it may, be, what it may mean. And, and uh, the Bible talks about uh, in Revelation 13 there. Let me just uh, get that and read that. So we'll get it uh, word for word in uh, Revelation 13, verse 18. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. And a lot of things have been used, uh, you know, relating to this. Uh, understand count. Someone said count means the same thing as compute. <clears throat> but... Uh, 603 score and 6 is the number of man. We know 6 is the number of man. And uh, uh, 7 is the number of perfection, completion. And you have that to use many, many times in the Bible, many times in the book of Revelation. And uh, someone, you know, if you assign a, a specific number to a to computer, it comes out 666 and so forth. But this is something I, I never even thought about along that line. 603 score and 6, if you take 666, three letters, three sixes, and multiply it by three, you get 1998. And again, I don't know that that has any relevance, except uh, that's interesting, that, uh, that, that's, that would be that way. Uh, these are things, and again, there are many other things that we could talk about. Uh, you know, there, there, there's a lot of concern, and rightly so, about this bird flu in Hong Kong. And there's no treatment for it, as I understand. And uh, we're probably overdue for uh, a worldwide pestilence that will probably kill hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, you know, I think we have become relaxed in, in our day of modern medicine that... Uh, uh, we forget days gone by. We forget when the flu years ago killed hundreds of thousands of people until uh, a remedy was found and, and uh, antibiotics were found and so forth. And uh, so uh, they, say that, they say that we have overused antibiotics and now these viruses and, and diseases are becoming resistant to antibiotics and it is an alarm is one out through the medical community that uh, that we could be facing disaster uh, if we don't change our ways. And we could talk about all that and how that relates to the coming of the Lord. And I believe I believe the Bible speaks of pestilence that will destroy what is it a fourth of the population of the world, Book of Revelation. And so many many things the coming together of Europe and the world currency and all these things that we don't have time to get into but these are things that the Lord just burned my heart about and especially this year in the book of Leviticus was exciting to me that uh, Israel's 50th birthday and uh, the year of Jubilee and how this relates to how things about the trumpet sounding and uh, of course we're as Israel go, possesses the land we're going to possess what God's promised us. And that's the future that we have. Maybe this year. I sure hope so, don't you? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of tired of this world. Uh, I believe we have a better place to go. A whole lot better place. The Bible said it's far better. 
And uh, I like for us to go together, <laughs> you know. I know we go one by one, save people. There's a note of sadness in the fact that, uh, that some are not going to go because they're not born again and they're not ready. And, uh, you know, uh, you, can, you can just put off, you can put off salvation till, till it's too late. Uh, had a man tell me this week something to trouble me. He said, I thought about the Lord a great deal when I was a young person. And he says, I just kept, I thought, well, I'll, I'll get saved. Uh, I'll get saved later on in life. And throughout life, I just kept putting it off and saying, well, I'll, uh, I'll get saved. I'll get saved later. And he said, then I got old. He said, it didn't seem like I can get saved. Well, I believe, I believe he can because I believe he's concerned and I related that to him. I believe if a man, I believe if God, if God quits dealing with a person, if he, if he removes his hand of conviction, I don't think there's any concern. I don't think there's any desire for God. And this man does have desire. And I hope you'll pray for him. He may be saved. But, uh, but that concerned me. And I do believe that a person can reject the Lord and delay and put God off until there's no more conviction and there's no more desire for God. And when that happens, I can't help them. And no one else can. It's too late. So, you know, people that's been delaying this thing, people that said, well, one of these days I'm going to get saved one of these days I'm going to serve God. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to really sell out to God. I'm going, to, I'm going to get in church and I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to, I'm going to win some people to Christ and I'm going to really pray seriously and I'm going, to, I'm going to go talk to my loved one and I'm going to get serious about this thing and I'm really, I'm really going to do it. And you know, time moves on and the days come and the weeks come and the years come and after a while it's spent and it's too late, isn't it? Here we are beginning a new year. We have the year before us. We have the opportunity before us. Now what are we going to do? Are we going to let it lead on by us, and come to the end of the year and really have accomplished nothing of eternal value? Are we going to make it count? Very seriously, folks, this very well could be the last opportunity. This might be it. I don't know. Nobody knows for sure. But I just point out some things that are interesting, at least to me, and, and stirred my heart. <laughs> when I read this, it stirred me. I don't think uh, in a way that I hadn't been stirred lately. Uh, this could be the last chance we have to do something. Let's make the most of it. Let's live this year, every day of this year, every week of this year, as if this is the year. It very well could be. If it isn't, we haven't lost nothing, have we? We haven't lost a thing. Let's bow our heads, please.